Hello everyone and welcome to Healthy State of Mind, a series that's dedicated to educating you on all things mental health. I'm Dr. Tracy Murray with Auctioner Health and I have here my co-host, Caitlin, want to introduce yourself? Hi, yes, I am Caitlin Heckel and I am a digital content specialist here at Auctioner Health. Well, welcome again. Thank you. Guess what we're talking about today? What are we talking about today? All things anxiety. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, we're going to get into it, just kind of discussing multiple parts and components about what it means to have anxiety, how it impacts you, and what you could possibly do with it. First question, what is anxiety? And you can use your own personal examples. Please feel free. Okay. Um, well, I'll start by saying that I have anxiety disorder. Okay. Um, I was officially diagnosed a couple of years ago, actually. It hasn't been that long, but I've had anxiety my entire life. So yeah. I think anxiety as it manifests for me is um, I feel trapped in my mind sometimes. Uh, a lot of overthinking. Yeah. A lot of worrying. Yeah. Um, and just stress about the future and things that I cannot control. Right. I'm glad you used that word manifest too, because the way people often say anxiety as, you know, this colloquial term, right? But the way it comes out and you can look quite differently than the next person. There are actually multiple components to anxiety. The one that you mentioned is the cognitive part, Mm. what goes on in the mind, right? And the definition that you mentioned, sometimes the word is rumination, right? So it can look like a couple of things. It can be like a hamster on a wheel with one thought and it's like kind of that same thought or anything related to that thought kind of going over and over your head. That sounds about right. Mine kind of might look more like a like a star a Almost. pinball machine? Yes, or maybe like that, where it's like, oh, this, but then that, this. What happens yes. here, though? And then I get stuck in the corner, and then mm-hmm. something catapults me back up. And, yeah. You know, that's it, how it feels for that's me. That's the other one I want to like to talk to people about. It, it's that pinball idea, where it's not necessarily one thought. It can be in a theme, but it's kind of like, oh, this, and then that. And then now you're down the rabbit hole. You get out, and then something springs you back in. Yep. So both of those are ruminations. So kind of the cognitive part, the thing that kind of keeps you up when you're falling asleep. And then it's you can't stop it, right? Mm-hmm. You feel like you're trapped almost, like you're trapped in your own head, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Do you have anything physical? Like when we talk about physical aspects of anxiety. Stomach aches. Stomach gastrointestinal issues are married to anxiety. So folks, if you're feeling like something's not right in here, not saying it's the only thing, but if you're anxious and you're like, oh, my anxiety's high, why is my stomach just upset? They're highly related, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The mechanisms by what they work. So bloating and just acid reflux, gastroesophageal reflux disease or GERD, irritable bile syndrome or IBS, can make those worse. And then in turn, those symptoms make you more worried. Exactly. (laughs) It feels like a never ending loop. Like if I'm having a particularly anxious day or Mm -hmm. I have a big event coming up or Mm -hmm. even just going sometimes to hang out with my friends, like they're a safe space for me. But before I get there, I'm just like, oh no, it's the pinball thing. It's the upset stomach, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just. And then other physical issues too, like sweating. Some people just always kind of clammy hands, Mm -hmm. especially at higher peaks of anxiety. Or some people just might feel, 
you know, rest like you just can't can't yeah. get yourself together, like the crawling out of your skin type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then some people actually have concentration issues. Like you're reading something, you're watching a show, and you're like, man, my memory is so bad, but it's not necessarily memory. It's attention because you're paying to paying attention to what's going on in your head, that pinball machine or that hamster wheel. You can't attend to mm-hmm. things. So I have people all the time when I used to work um, with college students, they'll be like, man, I, I think I have ADHD because my attention and memory is so bad. And I was like, well, I don't think it's quite that because you did just fine, except for your first semester of college. Yeah. So kind of delving deep down that where is your mind when you're doing it? Now, some people... ADHD and anxiety are also very closely related, but we have to really figure out, is it the anxiety? Are you not even attending to the information or taking it in or paying attention so you can remember it? Mm-hmm. It's almost like this thing, I'm moving so fast in the morning, God, my memory, where did I lock the door? But you were attending to other things, so it's not a loss of memory per se. Is that your mind was worrying about getting gas or what you're going to do when you go to work, stopping at the grocery store that you couldn't attend. Mm. Have you ever driven home from work and don't remember the drive? Yes. (laughs) Where was your mind? Lord knows. (laughs) I have no idea. That happens to me all the time, though. Mm -hmm. Um, Or even if I go run errands or something, I feel like... My brain is moving 10 times faster than my body. Mm-hmm. And my body is doing activities. Right. But then I get home and I'm like, okay, wait, what did I even do? Mm-hmm. So I have to have a list. Right. And I have to physically scratch it off so I know that I did it for sure. Right. Because sometimes I'll just, I won't remember. A lot of times when we're thinking about anxiety where your attention is pulled away a lot, we have you do mindful activities. But um, bump mindful <laughs> quick plug mindful <laughs> activities so that you're paying attention so you're taking if you're driving you're like oh that's so green oh look at that car you're actually attending to things on the road so you're just more aware we don't want you to get in an accident right and you're like well what happened right so you're really attending to what's going on mm-hmm. sometimes people don't even have that manifestation of cognitive they just feel nervous, right? They just feel like they can't even quite describe it. They just, just always nervous. They're on the edge all the time. They can feel it in their body. That's also the physical sensations as well. Mm-hmm. So whenever we're thinking about anxiety, it doesn't have to be just one type of thing. Oh, you're a worrier. Yeah, worrier, but that's just one component. You can always feel on the edge or just kind of nervous or just not quite right. Right. And then these things can sort of come out in your behaviors, things that you do. Avoidance is a big one. (laughs) Hmm, Rings a bell. (laughs) What do you think I mean by avoidance? Um, I would think of something like avoiding a trigger for your anxiety Mm -hmm. or even just avoiding the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that sometimes if I can get, like, I call it my like anxiety spiral, if I'm just having a really rough, anxious day, mm-hmm. I only want things that soothe me. Mm-hmm. I don't want any type of like external anything, even a text message going off. I'm mm-hmm. like, that is just too much for me. Mm-hmm. And I have to completely avoid right, and just ignore 
everything. But what that does is, what does it do? It creates more anxiety <laughs> because then, like the next day, I'm like, okay, well, right. I have 15 texts to respond to. I have mm -hmm. all of these emails that I need to like look at. Yeah. So some people, what I call avoidance is you're, you're turning away from it. Some people actually, if you can imagine, turn towards it and they can become really caught into doing it. For example, if you have someone with a health condition, a cough, like we, we're in the era of COVID right now, mm -hmm. right? It's with us. So if they have a cough, a person who's anxious with avoidance, no, I'm not, mm -mm, I can't even, well, won't you make a doctor's appointment? I can't even, right? Mm -hmm. I can't even think about it. I'm just not going to do it. And then you also have the anxious person that's with the cough. Oh my God, I have cancer. Um, I need to make a doctor's appointment. Doc, send me to the cancer specialist. Send me to this, send me to that. Mm -hmm. So it's that turning towards or that overindulgence. So both the rumination, so that over upset, not even obsession, because it's not obsession, it's just those thoughts, they turn towards. And I feel like the goal would be to have a healthy balance of both. Mm -hmm. right? In between, enough to where you're taking care of what you need to take care of, but it's not of detriment to your health. Mm -hmm. So have a cough, okay, let's wait two days, see if it clears up, and if it doesn't, Let's make an appointment, mm -hmm. right? And that can be with anything. So if you have work to do, right? Some people use this term procrastination, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So if you have work to do and you're avoiding it, right? And at the end, you're so debilitated, you can't do it. And then you have other people who stick in it and it's just on their mind all the time and they can't pull themselves away. Both are... Um, forms of anxiety and both are not helpful to performance to doing things and to living life in a healthy way right mm -hmm. so what do we do <laughs> we'll do get we do? to that okay we'll get to that because what we do depends on actually what type of anxiety you have because they're all different types whenever we say anxiety it's this broad term but there are different kinds there's situational anxiety meaning Depending on what's going on in your life, the situation that comes up, you might feel yourself cognitively being anxious, physically being anxious, or being more of the behaviors, right? So let's say you get into a car accident, mm -hmm. right? And your anxiety is higher. Um, you have an upcoming test and your anxiety is higher. Mm -hmm. You have a deadline at work and, you're up and your anxiety is higher. You're waiting for test results to come and your anxiety is higher. We do treat that quite differently than if you have lifelong chronic. So situational, it'll come and go. It's based on what's happening at the current moment. What's called generalized anxiety is... It doesn't, and your anxiousness, whatever symptoms you have, doesn't latch on to any particular thing. It's about a lot of different things, right? You're anxious about this. You're anxious about that. You're anxious about that. Everything in your world could be going perfectly, and you're still anxious. You just, you feel off, you right? Feel, you feel, you, yeah. you feel it. You feel it. You think it. Doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. And the word that we use is pervasive. It's in everything. Yeah. So some people can be, yeah. I'm anxious about health, but not about this. A person with generalized anxiety, it's general, mm -hmm. right? Everything kind of causes and pause and you just jump. That's that pinball, right? Mm -hmm. Just jumps, 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 mm -hmm. jumps. So I'm anxious about the house. I'm anxious about bills. I'm anxious about my everything. That's tiring, isn't it? It is. I was just thinking that um, 
I mean, as a person with anxiety, and I know a lot of people, yeah. I know more people who have anxiety than people who don't. Mm-hmm. But it's something that's so tricky to verbalize and to kind of advocate for, right. for yourself. Right. And I wish more people, and we've talked about this before on the show, where, you know, if you have like a broken leg, like your leg is in a cast, people mm. will respond to that and and give you accommodations that you need. Mm-hmm. And I wish that we could get there more with mental health. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just like, you know, if, a, for example, there are times when I have to cancel a plan because I'm like, I just, I can't get myself there today. Right. And I like being received with grace. Right. And so in turn, because I've had that experience and because I'm living that experience, mm-hmm. I can be that, Right. person for someone else right and i wish that was more ingrained in the workplace or right. in relationships or you know so it's super tricky right it's tricky because on the one hand we want to provide accommodations and so great show grace but we don't want anxiety to be your scapegoat mm. we don't want anxiety to drive your life to make you avoid so mm-hmm. it is a balance where people can understand. Let's say you have a deadline at work. Oh, my God, I have so much anxiety I can't get it done. If someone accommodates you, you won't ever get it done. Right. So it is a tricky balance. I think the awareness of it and not letting it stop you and getting a handle on it to where it's not impacting your life. I would rather you be in a place where you recognize you have anxiety, somebody shows you grace, and you still get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Because what people do these days when it's used colloquially, oh my God, I have anxiety, I can't deal with that. That's not how, yeah, that's no, not how I, I want anyone to function. Because mm-hmm. you're letting anxiety drive and you're in the back seat. I want you to be the driver and anxiety is the passenger. That's, I feel like you are describing me right now, but I also have friends and people that I know who are in the backseat. Mm-hmm. So I will always be in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. but that's just my personality too. I like to be in control. If I'm incredibly anxious, if I have a deadline, I will be yeah. grinding until it's done. Yeah. And then I can. Right. But I do know people and I'm wondering how to best support people or... What are some tactics that people who are in the backseat of their life? And, and that's the thing. That's the first thing I want to tell people is that simply because you have what we call anxiety of any type does not mean that that anxiety has to drive your life. Doesn't mean you have to be submissive to that anxiety. You can take control with it. Some anxiety will never go away. Sometimes it's hereditary. Sometimes it comes on if something major happens and something triggers. Sometimes it's just purely chemical, mm-hmm. right? Depending on what's going on, medicines you take, the type of life environment you have, having a baby, right? Mm-hmm. Starting a new job. All mm-hmm. of these things can set you up for situational anxiety where it can turn into this generalized thing. But I don't want that to dictate your life. I was working with this one person in, in younger um, just kind of coming into knowing what to do with anxiety. And they say, I won't ever be able to do that because of my anxiety. People have to understand that. And I'm like, that's where you're letting anxiety win. If you want to do it, come up with the skills to do it. Talk to someone about it. Never let it scapegoat you. I can never perform or do that because my anxiety is so bad. So I'm just not. You're letting it win. Mm-hmm. Don't let it win. 
Don't let it guide and drive your life. Because in the end, you're going to look back and be like, I didn't live. Yeah. Where was life? Anxiety was driving me down a road I didn't want to go down. Right. Mm-hmm. I have a thought. Let me know if this is accurate. Okay. Um, sometimes, like one of my one of my dreams mm-hmm. that I haven't done yet is to perform stand-up. Okay. I've always wanted to try. Um, I have friends who have done it. I love watching stand-up. I love going to open mics. But I am so afraid to step on that stage mm-hmm. and tell my little jokes. Mm-hmm. Not if I'm not afraid of like if people will not laugh or mm-hmm. won't enjoy my presence. But I know that my anxiety will manifest physically. Like I will sweat. My voice might shake. Is it fair to say... Because I know that that's what holds a lot of people back. What will people think of me? Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say that people don't think about you as much as you think they do? Yeah. Okay. They don't care. They don't care, they right? Don't care. Like, because I'm not gonna... like, I'm not sitting like when I'm in the the audience at an open mic night. Mm-hmm. If someone gets up and doesn't do well or bombs, as they say, mm-hmm. I'm not sitting there thinking anything bad about them. I'm like, look how brave they are. My thing is too is what would that do for you? Let's say you go up on stage and the worst, your worst thought comes true. You're sweating, you drop your mic, your pants rip in the front. What's going to happen? <laughs> I mean, life goes on, I guess. <laughs> not even life goes on. You've done it. Yeah. You did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you rip your pants, but you did it, right? So my yeah. thing is, is it's not a, necessarily about other people. It's about you because you're the one asked to walk off the stage knowing that you did it or didn't do it. And sometimes the perception, right? We'll talk about how our thoughts and how we perceive and how we interpret. So I want to get, let's just go into it then since we're here. Okay. So sometimes there is a connection. Well, most time there's a connection. A situation happens. We interpret said situation in a certain way. When we interpret it, that's a thought. We're thinking or we perceive it. And then from that perception, we have a feeling and then we do something. For example, if you're walking in the grocery store on a Saturday at 2, you see somebody you know well, they walk right by you and you wave. They don't wave back. So that's the situation. What do you do? What do you think? How do you perceive that? What's your immediate thought? I would be like, oh, my God, they I'm so embarrassed. OK. Embarrassed <laughs> by what? That I. That's the feeling. The that's feeling, a feeling. The feeling. What do you think to make you feel embarrassed? I, I put myself out there and waved and they didn't even acknowledge me back. OK. So they ignored you. They ignored me. Right. They ignored you. What else? Um... I mean, the thought of like, well, maybe they didn't see me is there. Well, two thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll take those two thoughts. They ignored me and they didn't see me. They ignored you. What would that make you feel embarrassed? What else? Rejected. Rejected. What else? Um, feel like they don't like me. Like they don't like you. And what would you do? If, I, if someone didn't like me? If you interpreted them as ignoring you, you felt embarrassed like they didn't like you. What would be the outcome? Of thinking and feeling that. You yeah. might not text them. You might ignore them back. Yeah. Like I you, probably would never reach and out again. <laughs> any future situation that's like that, you've learned now to respond that way. What if they didn't see you? How many times have you been in a grocery store, someone at home stuck on the toilet and you in there for some toilet paper? <laughs> Seriously. Remember I said Saturday at two o'clock. <laughs> People are like this trying to get by. 
What if they didn't have their glasses on? Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I can't see anything <laughs> without yeah. my glasses. Mm-hmm. What if they didn't see you? Right. What would you think? What would you feel if you say, oh, they didn't see me? I'd be like, oh, that happens to me all the time, all actually. The time. And what would you do? You might text them, say, hey, girl, I saw you. Hey, I saw you at Rouse's. Like, right. The thing is, we don't know either way. Yeah. They could be mad at you, but they could have not seen you. You went through all this emotional turmoil and distanced yourself from a friend, from a thought. Dr. Murray. From a thought. Oh, my God. So my thing is, is that sometimes... We have to balance it. We might not ever get rid of that, especially if it's generalized. Might not ever be able to get rid of that initial thought that says, they ignore me, I did something to them, they must hate me. But if we pull in or, and, they could have not seen me. Balance. Yeah. Sometimes all we can achieve is balance. That unhelpful thought is here, but we can turn it down and make the helpful thought just as loud. And now what do we have? Balance. Balance. Mm-hmm. Cause you would have went through all of that for nothing. Now they could be mad at you, <laughs> right? And if they were, I'd rather they just have a conversation right. with me. Right. Until you find out more information. Right. Now you're speculating based on your own thoughts. You don't have all the information. Mm-hmm. So until you do, and then hey girl, I saw you at the. Well, you know I'm still mad at you. I hey, well like, let's talk about it. Or hey girl, I saw you at the store. I didn't even have my glasses on. Didn't even see. All I saw was blobs. Mm-hmm. And my, I had to go home and get my baby some um, toilet paper, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Diapers, anything, mm-hmm. right? So until you know more, what we do here, by the time you're feeling everything, you're already feeling it. We have to check, question, challenge, balance our thinking. Okay. Right? Yes. It feels overwhelming. Once you do it, I want it to be easy. So yeah. let's say another example. Let's say mm, you text someone. Ooh, they don't text back. Oh, no, no, no. Uh-huh. Mm-mm. What are you thinking? Ooh, they don't want to talk to me. Ooh, Especially but, if someone has their red receipt on. I'm like, uh-huh. you, re- you read this four hours ago. So go ahead and balance that thought yourself. They're busy. Mm-hmm. They're driving. They're, they read the text, but they want to respond thoughtfully mm-hmm. when they have space. And mm-hmm. these are all things that I do. I am queen yes. of reading a text so, and not responding. So that will balance your emotions until you found out, mm-hmm. right? My thing is I don't want you to essentially jump the gun with your thoughts until you have to. Because you're going through all whatever those emotions that come up with that thought could be for not. And now you're exhausted because you got caught in whatever anxious rabbit hole you went down for nothing yeah it really let's is just exhausting. wait until we have to be there mm-hmm. now if it's that then you can be you know worried about the relationship but let's not go there until we have you be worried all the time mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. how many times have you typed the message thought you sent it and you're like oh my god you go back to the message and you're like oh i didn't even send it yes right so that's what i'm telling you to put in Sometimes we cannot get rid of anxiety. I actually don't want you to get rid of all your anxiety because it can be helpful. It helps with performance. How? We'll t- if you didn't worry about a thing, if nothing was on your mind, we wouldn't pay bills. We wouldn't go to work. That's true. That's true. There are times a when I'm like. healthy level of awareness. Yeah. So we have to pull it healthy. Okay. You see them. They're the opposite. They have no get up and go. No nothing. And they're at home. Bills. Not worrying about anything. Brush, don't brush their teeth. Don't what Nothing. Right? Yeah. People that are too chill. 
We don't want that either. Yeah. But we don't want it it to be overwhelming because both impact you. We want it to be in a healthy way to where you have awareness about it. It's on your mind enough to where you can get things done. Okay. Sometimes that's thought balancing. There's thought challenging, balancing, however you work it. For my people, when I'm working with them, I just ask them to ask themselves, huh, what else? That's it. What else could it be? When you have that thought, what else could it be? That's it. To balance the emotions, to balance what you do, so that in future situations, you also ask what if. Okay? Okay. So, other types of anxiety as well. So, we got the situational anxiety. We got the generalized anxiety. Social anxiety. Okay. Mm, That's what you were talking about with the uh, improv and stand-up, right? Mm -hmm. You're questioning things. Also... Balance your thinking, too. So that's when your fear of negative appraisal, right? So you fear what other people think. You walk into a room, you think all eyes are on you. They're looking at me. They look. They think I look crazy. I'm going to say the wrong thing. And then it feeds into your ideas, negative ideas about yourself. But what could happen is that you could be looking, searching out this negativity, and it'd be there. Mm-hmm. but you're missing the positive. They're all different ways. When we think about thoughts, they can fall into different categories, which is beyond the scope of what we can talk about today. Right. But they can fall into categories. Cat- catastrophizing, thinking the worst, predicting, thinking you know what other people think about you, right? Yeah. Fortune telling, the future, right? Or ignoring positives and only picking up negatives. All of these things lend themselves to how you think, how you interpret situations, and then what you feel. But the social anxiety is a big one for people now. And I think even more so since we have a disconnect, which is social media, the phones, and now even COVID, that when we get into social situations, things feel even more weird and awkward. Mm-hmm. Even more negative appraisal because you haven't been exposed to it. Right. 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 Another type of anxiety, which is, it's an anxiety, it's panic disorder. Ever had a panic attack? I have had a panic attack. Okay. What's that feel like? Um, I just felt trapped in my body. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember having um, r- like ruminating thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's different. Mm-hmm. I just felt I was on vacation in Seattle mm-hmm. and I was in my Airbnb in Seattle and I was just like, not well, mm-hmm. you know? And for me, it manifested in a lot of tears because I yeah. just didn't know what else to do but cry. Right, right. Um, but it was not pleasant. So we can think of anxiousness people on like a, a continuum, so to speak. Th- well, this is how I teach it when I'm trying when I'm trying to teach it. Mm-hmm. So we have just regular anxieties, the day-to-day rumination, things like that. And above that is distress. It's quite different than anxiety. It's overwhelming, which you can say is different than just your usual worries, the nervousness, oh, the thinking. Oh, for sure. Then you're distressed, that middle part. You're like, you can feel it in your body. You can't necessarily function. And then we have panic. Actual panic attacks are actually quite brief, a few minutes or mm-hmm. so, seven minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, and they exhaust you. You can feel outside of your body. You can feel like you're about to die, heart pounding, sweating, out of sorts, just kind of this crawly feeling, right? Yep. Some people even 
the word is dissociation. Yeah. Like they come outside of themselves. Things don't seem real around them. That's a part. I don't want people to feel crazy, but that's a part of a panic yeah. attack. Yeah. Things don't seem real or dreamlike. They might not even have good memory or some people kind of see themselves having it like an aerial view mm -hmm. that's depersonalization so they come outside and they're kind of looking at themselves trembling all the chemicals shaky hands all of these things and it lasts briefly because your body can't sustain and then afterwards oh, exhausted mm -hmm. like it ran a marathon might be drenched in sweat right all of these things. So that that's a, what a true panic attack feels. It feels like you're going to die sometimes. Yeah. But think of it on that continuum. The good thing is some people can feel a panic attack coming on. They feel it like a, like a wave, like an aura, essentially, of panic attack. We call it a, like a prodrome. But an aura. You can stop it by doing specific things. Stick your head in the freezer. <laughs> right. Yeah. So by sticking your head in the freezer, well, there causing is like cold, cold therapy yeah. or something, right? So the thing is, is, is your chemicals in your body are doing something weird. So we have to change your body's chemistry. It's that age old idea, splashing cold water in your face, mm -hmm. but it just has to be cold enough. So I say, open the freezer, stick your head in. Yeah. Splash Whatever cold helps. water in yourself. Uh, eat ice. I mean, right. well, some people have to take a full cool shower, not super cool because we're going to have hypothermia, mm -hmm. but um, like a cool shower, it shocks your body. Or if it's cold enough outside, step outside just real quick. It'll shock your body and tell the part of your nervous system to, to chill out. So you mentioned panic disorder. Yes, panic disorder. Is that, um, is that frequent panic attacks? Yes. Okay. So a panic attack can happen in isolation. Having a panic attack doesn't necessarily mean you have panic disorder. It could be, but it doesn't have to. Some people can have one, two panic attacks across their life. Not necessarily panic disorder. They're just associated with their anxiousness when it rises on that continuum, like I talked about. Mm -hmm. People have true panic disorders. They have it in a week multiple times, more wow. than an isolated incident. So they're having them frequently enough to where it's impacting their life. Okay. And then some people have panic attack. And then they have agoraphobia where they can't go outside, mm, right? Mm -hmm. And then they don't have it with agoraphobia. Um, but yeah, all in all, just thinking about those different types because it can guide how you're treated. It's not for you to figure out on your own, just giving education. Mm -hmm. It's for you to know what to do about mm -hmm. it. Low-level situational anxiety, we treat with distractions, doing things, deep breathing, generalized anxiety. We have to really take a look at the thoughts and how we think um, social, we have to expose you to social situations, right. thinking about the thoughts and panic disorder. We have to do things with your body. And because sometimes it's triggered, sometimes it's not. Sometimes mm -hmm. it comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So we use different things. Okay. Okay. Now, what do you think all this? That That's exhausting just talking about. And some people have multiple ones, right? Right. Socially anxious, generally anxious, and they have panic. What do you think that does to your health? Oh, I can't imagine it's good for it. Right. So when we think about stress and anxiety and health, it does have an impact because the mind informs the body mm -hmm. and the body informs the mind. It can lead to, like we said, blood pressure issues, um, unmanaged sleep problems, the gastrointestinal issues, mm -hmm. or this tent just kind of tensing your body, right? Just overall tension, headaches. People can experience headaches or it can exacerbate other common medical conditions that are already there. Seizures, 
you know, if you're extra stressed, they tell you keep it classy. Don't get stressed because mm-hmm. that can trigger a seizure for you. So it has an impact on your health. And over time, without managing that anxiety, remember when I talk about just you being in the passenger seat or back seat mm-hmm. and letting anxiety drive, doing that can also impact your health immediately and over time. Right. It can interfere with relationships. Mm -hmm. It can interfere with your ability to have intimate relationships Mm because you're always the thoughts are just so unhelpful that you can't can't see clearly. Yeah. Right. So it does have a significant impact on your health. Okay. And vice versa. When your health is not doing right, it will inform your mind, make you more anxious. Right. So doing both and making sure that anxiety management is a health care issue and it is enough to warrant. You just treating yourself better yeah, and learning skills. Mm-hmm. We talked about the thoughts and the model and changing things. Um, so sometimes all I tell people is when anxiety happens and you're ruminating, write it down. Just write down the thoughts. Sometimes when you write it down, it has somewhere to go mm-hmm. and it's not swimming in your head. And sometimes writing it down, you create distance from it, mm-hmm. right? You see it for what it is and you're like, oh, well. Well, that's not true. Right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're really what's called fused. Cognitive fusion, really, really connected with the thoughts. That's when they feel almost a part of us. That's when they're super tight, swimming in your head, writing it down, getting it away from you, distancing yourself, seeing it go away. It's not here, but it's here. Mm-hmm. And now you can see through, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes just writing it down, getting it out of your head, seeing it from a distance can help you to question it, can help you to challenge it, or help you to balance it. Yeah, it seems like it changes perspective. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because if it's in your head, it it feels like it's absolute. Like it's 100% true. But when you get it out and you see it objectively, oh, not so true. Maybe 50%. So what's the other 50%? Over time doing that, you naturally do it in your head. It's about training. So you're not all the time you have to write it down or do sheets or disconnect. It, It sometimes... It begins to happen naturally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So the next thing we're going to do is um, talk about when anxiety strikes. Remember we talked about the good and the bad anxiety? Mm-hmm. So strategies and skills. So I want you with a healthy level of anxiety, right? Just to keep you going. We can call it awareness and not anxiety. Okay. So um, focusing on the body the mind and what you do again those are three simple things the body breathing relaxation exercise good sleep the mind filling it up with good mm-hmm. self affirmations challenging the thinking positive self talk right mm-hmm. and then what you do engaging in things therapy um challenging yourself actually doing the thing that makes you anxious so you can Knock down the fear from it, right? Mm-hmm. So all of these things we do to sort of balance what happens when anxiety strikes. Are you doing any of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I am um, I move my body every day. Mm-hmm. I used to um, focus on exercise 
for my physical body and that's right. very important for me but as I get older it's more for my mental health mm -hmm. um, I'm regularly in therapy mm -hmm. I think writing out my anxiety or just what's going on in my mind could be helpful I'm distant yeah right. I've kind of gotten away from journaling but I think I do need to get back to that and it's not it doesn't have to be journaling <clears throat> you can do it every day but when that rumination hits we have to do something with the thought. Mm -hmm. So helping you write it jumps you off of the hamster wheel mm -hmm. and creating distractions. Exercise actually burns off. So it does something like this, where this is the good chemicals and this is the chemicals that cause you anxiety. So yeah. it's doing this mechanism by turning it around. Mm -hmm. So you'll feel good, like that runner's high. Yeah. Because oh, you're burning yeah. down the stress and you're raising up the good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people can do that, but sometimes people need medication. Mm -hmm. What goes on in your brain is sometimes hereditary. So this idea of serotonin, right? So we have not to get too deep into the medication, but serotonin is something you need. And when you don't have enough of it flowing through your brain or flowing through your brain correctly, it comes out in depression and anxiety. That's how it's manifested. So let's say you have vitamin D deficiency. How it comes out in your body is like muscle aches and tiredness, yeah. right? The lack of movement of well serotonin comes out in mood issues. Wow. Or when you don't have your thyroid function and it, it impacts your metabolism. So the way that's expressed. So medications for that just help serotonin to move about the brain how it needs to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So not necessarily putting anything new there, just helping what's already there move out. So sometimes people, they can be doing all of these things, these behavioral things, and still need medication. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Medication and what you do, how you think, um, what you tell yourself, what you do for your body can go hand in hand. Sometimes people are okay with just one or the other. Sometimes people need both. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you ready for our mindfulness moment? I am. <laughs> our yeah. mindfulness moment, people, is when we really take a skill, something to do as a part of our healthy state of mind um, series to give you to do that helps. So, today we're going to do something called sweet memory okay. with grounding. Grounding is really just being aware of the present moment of your body in this space to pull you back. So when we ruminate, we're kind of going all off and everywhere else. So it helps you really connect with the here and now. Okay. And then the sweet memory exercise is just having you think about a good memory. So we're thinking about a good memory that's not difficult. It could be a graduation, birth of a baby, um, anything, a wedding, or anything that is a good memory that you have a good memory of. And we'll do it. Okay. Okay. So how we get into a meditation moment is uncrossing your legs and just getting comfortable. You can close your eyes if you want to. If you're not comfortable doing that, just look down at the floor, find something, a spot on the wall. And what you're going to do is just take a few deep breaths in and out, maybe three. Inhaling and exhaling. Feeling the breath, feel your body as you inhale. And leaving it as you exhale. And after your three breaths, just breathing normally. And then thinking about areas of your body that make contact. Where your body is touching something else. Perhaps your feet inside your shoes. 
noting what that feels like silently in your head how your feet feel on the floor your body seated in the chair your hands crossed or on your lap maybe even pinpointing where you can feel fabric of your clothing against your skin and how you can tell what type of fabric it is without seeing it. If it's jean material, how do you know it's jean? Because in your mind, you can describe it. You can feel it. And in the next few moments, just bringing up into your awareness a sweet, sweet memory. Something that you can latch on to that's as good as it can be, uncomplicated. And bringing yourself to this place. You're you there and then. You're not an onlooker. You're not watching. You're you. Look around. When was this? Where was this? Who was there with you? Note what you had on. How old were you? Is it inside or outside? And what were you doing? And as you replay this memory in your mind, bring about all of those feelings and thoughts that are sweet. And let them fill your body up. From head to toe. Perhaps you can feel what it was like there as you replay this memory. Grab on to what's there. And letting the memory go and bringing back those feelings and sensations and thoughts to the present. Letting them carry you through and manage those anxious thoughts. Fill your body up, the here and now. And as you let those sensations, those feelings, those thoughts fill you up, silently thank yourself for balance, for grace, for challenge, and for even doing this practice. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Okay. Really good. So that's just a little something to carry things forward. A lot of times in anxiety, no matter what kind of anxiety, how strong your thoughts are, it's been a while since you felt good. Mm -hmm. So just bringing that good back to present and being in the present with it may help from this to this. Thank you, everyone, again. I am Dr. Tracy Murray with Healthy State of Mind. Click on any resources that we may have below if you want additional information about how to manage anxiety, what to do, and how to seek out help if needed. Again, our series is just educational. It's not to serve as a professional therapeutic relationship. If you're interested in that, please see the resources below. Thank you. Until next time. Thank you, Dr. Murray. Of course.